Okay, so what are we taking a look at today, Caitlin? Okay, so you may have heard in Nova Scotia, there's a conflict between indigenous and non-indigenous fishermen, and we're specifically talking about a conflict with lobsters. Okay. Did you know that Canada is the world's largest exporter of lobsters? No, I did not know that. I know, very interesting. I didn't know that either. So I thought that was very interesting. Okay, so I'll tell you a little bit about what we know has happened so far. So on October 13th, about 200 people attacked a lobster storage pound and they trapped the Micmac fishermen inside, threw oh rocks at the buildings. And then three days later, the building was burnt to the ground in a suspicious fire. I would say that's very suspicious. Yes, I agree. Um, only one man was charged and he was charged with the destruction of a vehicle. As of yet, they didn't have any more information on the fire. Okay. Um, on that same day, uh, Sabeganagadi chief was assaulted, and the man who assaulted him was charged and then released. And then, again, in the middle of October, there was a lobster boat um, that was burnt and destroyed. Belonging to who? In belonging to a Micmac okay. fisherman. Okay, all right. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so these are kind of the big... Three big things that happened, uh, but I, of course, took a bit of a deeper dive to see what was going on here. Uh, do you want to hear what I learned? Please. Okay. So, uh, the problem is that there are different rules for Indigenous fishermen than there are for non-Indigenous fishermen. And this started about 250 years ago, actually in 1726. Um the British signed a treaty, the Peace and Friendship Treaty, with the Micmac. The Micmac. Um, and this formally ended a war be between the Wabanaki, which is was an indigenous political alliance, and New England. Okay. And part of the reasoning behind the war and this treaty were that um, the indigenous groups in eastern Canada were more friendly with the French than they were with the English. And so the English decided that they wanted to take over control of Canada and thought it would be easiest to do that if they had the indigenous groups on their side. So they made this treaty and there was um, subsections added in later years. And I believe it was specifically in 1752 where they added that uh, the First Nations could have free liberty of hunting and fishing. And that was all it said. Free liberty of hunting and fishing. There was no um, extra rules. There was no or explanation of what that meant. Sounds pretty broad. Just free liberty. So, of course, basically after this, between... 1752 on there have been a multiple arguments as to what free liberty of hunting and fishing meant because um normally a fisherman um in eastern canada well in other parts of canada as well they only have specific times when they can fish only a certain number of licenses are given out so it has been very confusing for everyone um as to which rules the indigenous fishermen need to adhere to or if they have no rules that they need to adhere to and it's never really been set so in 1999 there was actually a supreme court case it was called r versus marshall 
And in that case, uh, the Mi'kmaq had won a major victory. So Marshall was um, a Mi'kmaq fisherman, um, and it was said that he had treaty rights to fish when and where he wanted to without a license. So that Mm. was decided in 1999 because of that Supreme Court case. So now we know um, that the Indigenous fishermen can fish when and where they want without a license. Um, The only rule to this is that they could only fish to make a moderate livelihood and not to make an accumulation of wealth. That seems a bit peculiar as well, actually. (laughs) Yes. Because what is a moderate livelihood? Well, how can you cap that? If they want to, you know, fish for more lobster and make more money, they should be allowed to. Yes, that's exactly right. And like, what's the difference between a moderate livelihood and a yeah? Who decides that? Wealth? There's a huge that's gray area there. That is yes. problematic. Yeah, and nobody knows who really gets to decide right. that. Okay. So we had a little bit more clarity in 1999 after the Supreme Court case, but not a lot. So now this is the current issue that we're dealing with is what is a moderate livelihood? So on September 17th, uh, Sabeg and Nagadi, which is a Mi'kmaq band, made a commercial fishery. And they started it on September 17th because that was actually the 21st anniversary of the 1999 uh, Supreme Court case. And they gave their first license to Randy Sack, who was Marshall's son. So All right. There was some intention behind the start date and a handing out of the license. Um, and the, it, they started this in September and a lot of people were upset because this is in the off season, off season for lobster fishing. But they decided to take it into their own hands. They made their own commercial fishery. Um, during the off season. Now, the reason why we have off seasons for lobster fishing is because um, the lobsters are molting, um, and it's so it's to prevent over harvesting of which that the and that's a big problem. Like with uh, cod, especially I've heard like we've completely overfished the cod on the east coast as well. So those rules those rules exist for a reason. Yeah, and we want to have something that is sustainable from year of to course. year. Yeah. Like, yes, of course, anyone could go out there. They're renewable and... if you allow them time. Yes, exactly. So that's why Canada had an, has an off-season. And it's typically between April and November. But my re- from my research, I learned that that changes depending on the specific area or the body of water. So our specific body of water we're talking about is LFA34, which is lobster fishing area 34 um, and lobster fishing area 34 um, allows 979 licenses um, and this commercial fishery that started on september 17th has 11 of the 979 licenses so are the licenses like per person within a group so they would have 11 people that have licenses in that uh, yeah. coalition okay yeah so 11 out of 979 is not very many licenses. However, the non-Indigenous fishermen are worried that this is just the first one. This Mm -hmm. is the first commercial fishery. So they're worried that, okay, it's 11 now, but what happens when they start five more in next year's off season and then they have 55 of the licenses and so So on. on. It's just going to grow. In the meantime, the non-Indigenous fishermen are not allowed to be fishing at the moment um 
So this is causing a problem because A, it's unclear whether or not the Indigenous fishermen should be fishing in the off season. Some people say they should not be fishing in the off season. Now, technically, in the 1999 Supreme Court case, it was stated that they could fish when and where they wanted to as long as they were making a moderate livelihood. So that one seems like they are allowed to fish during the off season. Um, but then there's the question as to what does a moderate livelihood mean? Because starting a commercial fishery to a lot of the non-Indigenous fishermen in Nova Scotia seems like that's above and beyond making a moderate livelihood. So they're okay with the Indigenous fishermen going out and catching a few lobster and maybe selling them on their own. But to actually have a commercial fishery... That runs year-round. Yes, is causing a problem. Um, And another big part of this is COVID. uh, Because the fishing season started out looking pretty good. It started like... The end of 2019, December, January, um, the lobsters were selling for about $10 a pound. Um, But when the season ended in April, May, they were only selling at $5 a pound. Um, So many, many uh, fisheries were barely breaking even, and most of them were lucky if they were breaking even. So uh, the fishermen did not take home what they thought they were going to. And obviously, this is a scary thing with COVID. A lot of people are not making the money they thought they were going to and are are worried about their future. Um, this is obviously because of Canada is the biggest exporter of lobster. No one was taking the lobster in February, March, April because we there that wasn't happening during our COVID scares. Um, now, normally, uh, an average year of lobster fishermen makes $26,000 a year. That is their average salary. Uh, But the average salary for Canadians is $55,000. So even on a good year, they are making only... Yeah, it's not necessarily a perfect livelihood. Yes, less than half of what the average is. So they're already probably needing everything they make to make ends meet. And then this year, they obviously have a really awful year. So there's a lot of um, emotions running, which is why this is causing such a huge problem. Now, um, some people have really criticized the RCMP because the RCMP... um, They did step in when there was the standoff, but there are reports that 911 were called multiple time and that the RCMP took about two hours to arrive, specifically when the Mi'kmaq fishermen were were trapped inside the pound. Yes, two hours. That's basically a hostage situation, and they're arriving in two hours. Yes, I would would be critical of that response time. Um, But other people are saying, are noting that the RCMP have also not told the indigenous fishermen that they need to stop because they're kind of operating in a gray area of the law and they the RCMP are not taking a side because they haven't told them they need to stop fishing. Um, and a lot of people have just put the blanket on this and decided that this is just purely a case of racism the nova scotian non-indigenous fishermen are just racist towards the indigenous fishermen and it's um fueling that discussion and obviously that is playing a big part in this but i think what is more substantial is 
The real problem is that the government has not made a decision yet. They have given a lot of gray areas for people to operate in and haven't just laid down the law simply for everyone to follow and adhere to. Um, of course, burning down a fishery because you think someone might be um, breaking the law is not okay because you yourself are then breaking the law. So it seems pretty contradictory. Um, but the fact that the government has made, basically, this hasn't been clear since 1752. So <laughs> well, yeah, maybe it's time for it some would, uh, better legislation be on this matter. Yeah, it would be fantastic if they figured out how to come up with a solution. Now, that's obviously difficult because you can't put a financial cap. So you can't say, oh, the indigenous fishermen can only make ten thousand dollars a year on lobsters or whatever your number is for a moderate livelihood because that's obviously going well, to with fluctuate 24, and change. being half the canadian average as well like that is not a moderate livelihood yes exactly yeah. but then they're allowed to make or they would be making more than the non-indigenous the fishermen exactly so it's it's really a difficult situation i'm not exactly sure what the government is going to do to solve the problem but i do know that they the responsibility is on them. They 100% need to step up and clarify this so that this is not a problem in the future because we need to know, are the Indigenous fishermen allowed to fish in the off-season, have commercial fisheries allowed to make any amount of money, or what are the rules and parameters around the treaty? Mm -hmm. That has to be decided in order for this to have a resolution. Yeah, and, and just going back to the 1999 thing, that that was when they stated um, the moderate livelihood. Yeah. Okay, well, whatever the moderate livelihood was in 99 that they didn't clarify, it, it would be different now anyway. So they really need to take a look at this again. And, of course, legislation takes a while, so it's not like they're going to be able to resolve this issue um, to prevent any more fisheries burning down in the next few weeks or what have you because that's, you know, that, that's more of a, an immediate... Something yeah. has to happen immediately there. But going forward... Um, yeah, I'm not sure what to do. I can see how both sides are kind of uh, feeling that this is unfair, but like you said, it's it's not okay to start burning people's places down or trapping anyone in. You no, know, like, it's 100% not, not okay. Um, I find the whole Supreme Court from 1999 pretty frustrating because it's one thing to not add specific details in 1752, and they yeah. probably didn't add specific details in 1752 because they didn't really need the specific details in 1752. They were like, oh, yeah, go hunt and well, fish. Well, so many That's less people fine. as well. Like, yes, and yeah. um, the way people made livelihoods in 1752 were totally different. It was about trading. So you mm -hmm. got the lobster so you could trade for what you needed. Obviously, now we are living completely different than they were in 1752 so of course the rules had to change but they knew that in 1999 in 1999 yeah. everybody knew moderate livelihood was vague yeah. you know so why would they even rule on something in the supreme court and and not solve the issue there this if this has already gone all the way up to the supreme court in the last 25 years how has that not already been clarified that yeah. is what i find to be specifically annoying well yeah and just on that note like you almost have to involve the scientists as well because i'm sure the lobster rates fluctuate from year to year as well so like should the off season be longer certain years or shorter certain years to make it more fair or or what that there's got to be a balance and i guess it's not uh, going to happen anytime soon but 
uh, things are tense. Things are tense over there. It sounds like it's there's a lot of conflict. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see, like, their season, like I was stating earlier, usually opens up, like, November, December. So I am interested to see what happens um, once the non-Indigenous fishermen are allowed to fish again. Are they just going to go out and get their lobster and everything's going to be fine? Or are there going to be continuous conflicts going forward? Mm, Sounds a bit divisive. And also, just with having, you know, half the average Canadian salary... That, that almost just doesn't equate with the fact that we're the largest exporter. Like, who is really making the money off of that? If we're the largest exporter in the world, but the on-the-ground lobster fishermen are making half of what everyone else is making at I, whatever their jobs are. I think it's a combination of the cost of running a fish, fishery. Um, because I I was reading that it... They have to spend a lot of money to get the fishery to even run. They have to invest Mm -hmm. a lot of money to invest in the boats, to keep the boats running, to have the proper nets. So they're really putting in a lot of money. And I think one of the the worst things about the job is that it's always an unknown. Sometimes they go out and they have a bad year, has nothing to do with COVID. They just don't catch very many lobsters that year or not they're not selling as much and I think also if you're talking about this specific area of Canada um, this is how a lot of people in the Maritimes make their living so there's so many people making their living in this way so even though we're the number one exporter of lobsters there's too many people that are going into this career well thanks for bringing this to our attention we should for sure be uh, keeping an eye on this story going forward yeah and And i wonder how long it'll take before they make any kind of ruling or decision yes and we will um stay on top of it of it and if they do we'll let you know if anything new happens